Welcome to the dark forest. Jackie and her pals will never bore us. Shameless confessions about our obsessions will make us laugh and smile. So let's explore the dark forest and dark down for a Jackie Cation, welcome back to the Dork Forest. Uh, oh my God. Well, first of all, let's just do it. Websites, JackieCation.com, DorkForest.com. You can do iTunes, of course, and feel free to review the darn thing. I guess it's supposed to help the donation button. Uh, feel free to donate merchandise, Ranger of the Dork Forest t-shirt, or uh, a CD. Knock yourselves out. Credits, of course. Patrick Brady fixes the audio. Mike Rickberg sang that song you heard, and he'll sing again at the end. And Vilmos, Vilmos fixes the website. He has his own podcast called Green Room Radio. Feel free to listen to that. Uh, sitting in my living room are brothers. Brothers. Uh, the, the, the guy who contacted me and said, I want to be on the Dork Forest is Patrick Jan- Jankowitz? Jankowitz. There we go. You're from Milwaukee. There we go. Jankowitz. Uh, it's got to be German or Polish or something, it right? Sounds like an Ellis Island typo, but we're proud of it. Excellent. <laughs> excellent. And then, uh, and then Don Jankowitz also here. Uh, Patrick, uh, a book just came out called You Wouldn't Like Me When I'm Angry, a Hulk Companion. companion. Uh, it'll be in the notes, people. Any hoodle. Uh, welcome to the show. Thank you, Jackie. I'm honored to be here. It's uh, it's exciting. You could eat the mic a little bit more. You're about nine feet tall, though. So Sorry. You, I, I will. There, how's that? That's good. You're about the size of the Hulk. No, thank you. So are you guys, you, you're from uh, Michigan? Yes, we're from the grand city of Detroit. Uh, All right, where you should buy land at any point. <laughs> no, 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 no. Even the pheasants are abandoning Detroit. It's <laughs> a great pheasants. place to be from, Jackie. Is it? Is it a lovely place to be? I'm from the Milwaukee area, so uh, so I'm familiar. We love uh, Milwaukee, though. All, all sorts of nice things are there. Yeah, 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 Milwaukee's lovely. We have the domes, what I call the three-breasted whore of Milwaukee. Because oh, there's so a, three domes. Go yes. Admirals. <laughs> Go Admirals. <laughs> That's Don. All right, so you have been given a tour of the house, and uh, you're very excited about the, the, the quality of dorkdom going on. I I'm, I'm, I'm dig it. I mean, from the iguana to the magnetic Spider-Man over here on the lamp, and, of course, the a complete... Let, let me note that Jackie has a complete set of Marvel glass tumblers. Not complete, but I did go with some of the favorites. I just... Uh, you know what? I, I, I no couldn't Spider-Man. Go with, no Spider-Man, no Hulk. No Hulk? I know it. See, here's uh, the reason you're here is because I don't know enough about the Hulk. Here's, Shame on you. I know. I read that Hulk. Uh, Matt Weinhold uh, insisted, uh, didn't insist, he suggested, said it was fantastic. When he, the one where they shoot him off into space. Planet Hulk, a great by by Greg Pack, a great great book. P A K Pack. Yes, yeah. P A K. It looks like a typo, but he's been Cream. doing robot novels and everything out here. For I found out I was cleaning up my storage space and I found like an article from like ten years ago on pack running quiet little sci-fi novels in Venice Magazine. Right, right, right. And he's, yeah, I mean, I, I like most of his writing. Like, what he, I, He's one of those names when I recognize it, I'm like, I'll read that. That'll be lovely. And uh, and it was interesting. I wanted it to be, you know, like, with the Hulk, I think there's this obligation for it to be him to smash something at some point during the episode. Set up and pay off. Yes, and they want to pay off every time, but I'm like, well, he, wait, isn't he in love? Wait, isn't he meeting, like, his fellow fighter dudes? And, uh, you know, I mean, there was there was some stuff that could have been learned there about the Hulk past, and so you, you like all things Hulk TV I do. show. 
Uh, starting with the TV show, although uh, um, I grew up on the cheap little Canadian cartoons that used to run. Uh, they must have been nothing to syndicate. Oh, right, right. I remember those kind of Saturday morning. Yeah. Well, no, were, no, mid- midweek. They, they were like syndicated. Cheap, it was the cheap. After school? Yep. Yeah, they would run them. Uh, they were made in the 60s, but they were still running in the 80s when, when we saw them as kids. Right. And it was the super cheap Canadian cartoon. Yeah. Where uh, the the Canadian voice cast of Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Yes. And John Vernon, Dean Warmer from Animal House. Okay. And a lot of Oh, the Dean from Animal House? Yeah. He he played the guy chasing the Hulk, and they had a Canadian actor named Max Ferguson who did the Hulk, and he sounded kind of constipated. Sure, sure. And these cartoons were so cheap. They they just took the old Kirby and Ditko panels. And cut them out. Cut them out, and they would, like, add one clumsy blink to make, to give... to give the illusion of Movement. animation? Yeah. <laughs> wow, that's gutsy stuff. And you would see, but it was like somebody reading you a Marvel comic, you know? And what is the draw of the Hulk for you, though? What's I mean, he's got to be one of your favorites. Yeah, oh yeah, it was always Hulk and Spider-Man for me. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. They were the more tormented comic book characters out there. They are tormented, but but that's, you know... My misunderstood, thing, a key element. Misunderstood. Jackie. I never understood why Peter Parker was a journalist when he's obviously a science genius and he should be making <laughs> $65,000 a year, at least at an entry-level science job. Don't overthink it. You're okay. <laughs> <laughs> Good point. Good point. <laughs> I always thought there was the old Clark Kent excuse. Peter Parker would always be where the action is. Oh, okay. You know. oh, okay, because then he wanted to sell those photos of Superman, Spider-Man. With Uncle which, Ben's old camera, yes. With Uncle Ben's old right. camera and a tripod? Or what was he doing? <laughs> Hanging it from a from a string? What was he? Uh, it, was webbing? Be- it was on his belt. Like, again, like Donald said. You're trying don't to- overthink it. Yeah. <laughs> well, the thing is, how can I not? See, that's why, that's why I don't mind guys like um, like Iron Man and uh, and 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 other Marvel superheroes, you can overthink it, and it's fine. Yes. You know, so somebody has spent the time with Captain America to fiddle and diddle so that I can overthink it and go, well, yeah, it makes sense that he wouldn't do that. It's a, oh, did you read the new Iron Man where, where he drank again? Very terrifying. Very <laughs> scary. Did he brought back the alcoholism? But- yeah, yeah, because he wanted to, uh, he, he made a sacrifice to Odin, and the only thing he had of any value was his sobriety. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. <laughs> wow, I don't know. Yeah. He'd be the worst character to be a drunk, though, because, I mean, you imagine vomiting in that helmet? Oh, right, right, in that helmet and everything. I mean, they, they mention it in the uh, in the first movie, where where he's all drunk and flying around in his suit, where he's hammered, and you're like, no. no. second movie, second movie. Oh, was that second movie that where he's drunk movie. and flying? He's sitting in the uh, Randy's Donut sign. <laughs> but he didn't have the old goat? Is it old goat that he drinks? In, in, the, in the comic, you couldn't legally slander any company and say, this is the, the drink nope. that made Iron Man drunk. Even though there were 19 people reading it. <laughs> okay. Yeah, you always have a little readership. Okay. But they would they invented some brand. John Romita Jr. would always carefully draw the bottle as old goat, whatever that was supposed to be. <laughs> wow, instead of like Jack Daniels or whatever of, and, of choice. And we know from the Spider-Man movies that the Green Goblin, both father and son, like to drink Maker's Mark. Instead of LSD. Like our semi-alcoholic oh, brother Tom. Oh, really? <laughs> Wait a minute. And so what about the, uh, is Maker's Mark a real booze? Mm-hmm. Okay, is it like a scotch or something? No, or? second generation bourbon. Oh, it's a bourbon. Like okay. Wild Turkey era. Oh, it's fair enough. Raimi's favorite drink, which is why you'll see any character with money in any of his movies will be drinking Maker's Mark. Oh, fair enough. So he's like, yes, this will 
be fine. That's part of my rider. <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's his coda, if you will. No. If, if you will. I like... So you start... Like, there's a picture of Lou Ferrigno on the cover of the book. Yes. So you're starting... Like, what's the continuity with, with the Hulk? Obviously, Bruce Banner, uh, science gone wrong, all of a sudden he's the Hulk when he gets mad. Right. Okay, now She-Hulk, uh, when she gets mad, I don't know how she became it. Cousin, blood transfusion from Bruce Banner, written by... Oh. She was, in fact, She-Hulk is an express offshoot of the TV series. Okay. When the TV series when the TV series came out, it got huge ratings. It was the biggest rating CBS had seen until Dallas within a year of it. Of it oh, released. really? Okay. And, you know, it, it single-handedly brought genre to CBS, you know. And okay. Friday nights are usually a duck slot for genre shows. Right. But everybody started watching The Hulk. And what happened is... What year was that? 79? 70, I think the was November 4th, 1977. Okay. The second one came on, I think, November 20th or 24th, 77, and got three times the ratings of the first. Wow. Because CBS did not want to greenlight it for a series because the head of the network, again, they were called the Tiffany Network, which is a nice way of saying they're old people shows. Right. You know, right, right. type thing. Yeah, yeah. All in the family. And the, the, he couldn't but, see why a show about a big green guy running around with a truck. Well, Bill Bixby it. was in it, and he was that thing about uh, Eddie. Uh, courtship the, of Eddie's uh, father. The courtship right? of Eddie's father. Brandon Cruz is in my, Brandon Cruz is in my book. Uh, oh, is he? He is. Uh, um, what Who he, played Eddie? Yes. Did he play Eddie? Okay, there we and, go. And, and Bill Bixby actually he he loves Bill Bixby to this day. He named one of it. No reason baby. not to. Yeah. <laughs> oh, named his baby after. Named him? his baby. Named <laughs> Cruz Bixby after him. But the one thing he will never forgive Bill Bixby for is Bill Bixby talked him out of doing Porky's. <laughs> you know what? Uh, he should he should forgive him because Porky's was a terrible terrible film. Yeah, but you're speaking from a girl's perspective. If you're right, a right. Year old boy, it was the greatest. It was the ever. greatest movie ever because there Kim were Cattrall, boobs in man. it. Yeah, <laughs> was oh that's right, Kim Cattrall was in it. Right, right, exactly. When she wasn't forty, and uh, it's fantastic. Even though she's pretty hot looking forty in the end. No, she is. Man. Sure, sure. I, I will never badmouth mannequin, and she was also on the <laughs> Gracie Law. And Big Trouble in Little China is Gracie Law. Yes. Oh, Big Trouble in... Uh, yeah, Andy made me watch that movie. That's what that you cur- made me? That's a that's, uh, I, He just made me watch Dragon Slayer, which... Okay, that sucks, but the dragon's great. Oh, what the dragon was great, and I and this is the nicest thing I could say about Dragon Slayer. It's and I mean this in the nicest way. It was that it was sort of a blue lagoon done with a dragon, <laughs> because in that late seventies, what's her name is totally hot as the princess, though. Were, uh, the princess or what? the or the or the black haired girl who was a boy and the, then a girl. The black haired girl who was a boy and then a girl. Is right. she the one eaten by the dragon? No, no. The, the princess got uh, eaten by the dragon. Could Spoiler alert! <laughs> no, I thought it. Hurt. You the baby dragon biting off her finger. That freaked me out. That was that was pretty. Dark. That no, was, I thought her leg had been off. Or is that no, 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 it was her ankle. That's it was her ankle. ankle. Yeah, whatever it was, there was a baby dragon eating her. It was a baby dragon that he had to kill. But uh, that whole, there were like three or four years in the late 70s when Dragon Slayer, I th- wait, Dragon Slayer was 81. 81. 81. 81. 81, 81. 81. Yeah. Same summer as Superman 2 and Raiders of Lost Ark. So it oh, very nice. Oh, very nice. <laughs> it's uh, As opposed to 83, which I think was Tootsie. Uh, no, 82. 82. 82. You're right. Tootsie, Victor Victoria, The NeverEnding Story. John Carpenter's The Thing. The Thing came out that year? Oh, the, the, okay. It got ass handed to it. E.T. came out the same summer. Oh, in 82 as well? Yeah, that's what, wow. That's that, where the greatest year in genre comes from. Yeah, they consider a lot of guys consider that, uh, the director of Free Enterprise and some other people consider that the greatest year of genre movies out of Hollywood. Road Warrior, Blade 82? Runner. 82? 
Oh, yeah. Too. With Blade Runner. Blade Runner. E.T. Oh, yeah. Everything, oh. everything was genre. Oh, Conan the Barbarian. Okay. The first one. Oh, okay. The good one. The good one. <laughs> yeah, Conan, too. Not as, not as good. Both oh. available on Netflix streaming, though, I'm told by Steve Mandel, friend of the show. <laughs> and Sarah Douglas looks crazy hot as the witch in the second one. <laughs> she was also in Superman, too. Right? Oh, sure. Sure. People, you follow some some actresses? You're following some work? The British accent? Come uh-huh. on. Oh, sure. Sarah right. Douglas. He's interviewed her. No, yeah, I mean, and, uh, James Bond? Did you did you ever any watch? Because you, you were saying that... What the what of the Hulk shows had uh, had a James Bond? Well, Richard Keel. Yeah, uh, uh, Jaws. Jaws oh. was originally cast as the Hulk. R- Richard Keel played Jaws and, and Moonraker and, uh, and Spy, Spy Love Me. Okay. He was originally cast as the Incredible Hulk. Wait, wait, Jaws with Richard Dreyfuss? No, 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 Jaws, no. Jaws, Jaws from Richard James Keel. Bond. Remember the big guy? Oh no! See, I've only seen uh, three jo- uh, three uh, James Bond movies. Oh, oh Connery's! I can tell yeah. you're not. Yeah, I, I, they are. Wait, Shame on except you. for I think I saw that terrible Pierce, Pierce Brosnan one, but only because I liked Remington Steel. I uh, love oh. Remington <laughs> Steel. Oh my God! I turned it. I did. I covered. Um, I t- covered Sir Connor Chronicles. Okay. And one of the producers on the show, right, had produced Remington Steel. Okay. And I turned the whole... I threw Sarah Connor out. I mean, except for Summer Cloud. Come on. Right, right. And uh, we talked about... And my editor said, what the bleep is this? Right, right. Why? What happened? What happened to the interview that was going to happen? Screw Go that. On. James Remington Cameron is Steel. Terminator. Yeah. Yes. It's a... Uh, wow. Okay. Yeah, I liked Remington Steel. I loved Remington Steel. What a right. brilliantly written show. It was. It was the moonlighting of its age. If wow. You know, like, <laughs> you know, you know the was. story, right? What? We're going way off path here. Let's but, do it. But it's a podcast. The, yeah. the, the guy who created Moonlight. Glenn Corrone Glen was a staff writer on Remington Steel. Was he? He ripped it off and went to a different network. Right, but only a couple of years. I mean, how long did Remington Steel last? Like, like three, seven years? Two or three years. Oh, I thought it was longer than oh, that. Oh, no, no, no. no. Very short run. Okay. And Brosnan and her were fighting cats and dogs. He uh, wanted to get out and play James Bond. We've heard. Yeah. That, that's the story. We've right, heard. right. No, no, I didn't know. It's a, Yeah, yeah. So he wanted it. But I, that's right, because uh, they offered him James Bond because of that show. But he never really made the leap to the big screen, I don't think. Well, he got to be Bond eventually. And he did some. He was in Mamma Mia. I'm not going to lie to you. Oh, my God. <laughs> he, he sang. He sang in Mamma Mia. It's like, it was like listening to someone sing through cheesecloth. It was a lot. It was not It was not off key. It was just uh, distorted slightly. <laughs> I assure you, except for oogling the bond on the poster, I've had nothing to do with my, my My dad, it's one of those movies your dad will say, that's a cute movie. I saw it on a date. It's like, Dad, right. I'm never going to see Mamma Mia. I, unless they do a slasher movie. I wow. Did, did, did your dad go see Mamma Mia? He took a date. His girlfriend and him at the saw, time, yeah, yeah, Mama Mia. All and, right, and my dad, and again, um, they kept inviting us to like SAG screenings, and I would look at. Sure, I was given a screener for that by a friend of mine who was like, "Yeah, I certainly don't want this," <laughs> and uh, you may now be the proud owner. And I bought the soundtrack. I listened to it. I'm not above it. Colin Firth sings quite nice. Colin Firth, he's made one good movie, unless you count Jenny Argonner's nude scene in the uh, horse thing Equus. And I never do. I <laughs> never do count that. But God bless you. Uh, what? Uh, what? Wait. D- didn't Life you just Force. do that British one? <laughs> oh, please. Oh, yeah, the King's Speech. That's right, good. Right, right, yeah. But come on, the Life Force with the naked Life vampire Force. chick running around. Okay, all right. You were never a 14-year-old boy, so this loses all the mini no, jacket. You know, weirdly <laughs> enough, I was a 14-year-old boy, and uh, oddly enough... Um, you're betraying yourself. It's a, <laughs> what's happened there is I... But when I was 14, I spent the entire time in Civil War books. So, uh, wow. yeah, yeah, I spent a lot of time learning about Quantrill's Raiders. Those guys uh, are bastards, I love man. Quantrill's Raiders, actually. 
they're, they're not civil war. They're terrorists. They're they were they were complete terrorists. They burned down no, Larryville. They, yeah, they were they were never. Uh, I, I read a really great uh, no, uh, novel about Andersonville uh. that was about the one guy who supposedly escaped from Andersonville. What? Fiction. Yeah, nobody yeah, ever no, really did. Everybody. left nobody alive. No, no. In Andersonville was the was the, the union. Yeah. POW camp yeah. in the co- so, and they didn't have enough food to feed their own troops. The Confederates. No, it was the uh, it was, was the Andersonville and uh, the one in Georgia. Wait. Uh, Georgia, I believe. That's where the deadline comes from because I'm they a John you. Brown man myself. Are you John Brown? All right. Until Harper's Fair. Until Harper's Fair. How about the, how about the, how about the, how about Flashman? Did you ever read Flashman? Even the Flashman novels? Yeah. Based on the the character Flash, I read Flashman and the Tiger. I loved it. Yep. I love that the, the British sensibility. I've never seen the Malcolm McDowell movie. No, no, on. I accidentally saw that. Don't see that. That's oh. a terrible, terrible film. Oh, seriously? Uh, he's, yeah, the, yeah. he's the guy. Flashman, fun fact. It would be a great movie if it could be done correctly. Go ahead, fun fact. Flash Thompson from uh, Flash Thompson from the Spider-Man comics right. is named after Flash the bully from Tom Brown's school days. Right. Which is Flashman uh, from the George McDonald. Isn't that genius? That is, it's quite a travel, quite a journey we've made to get back to Flashman. It's yeah, yeah, but that's so. Get back to Spider Man, really. And so Spider Man. Okay, so the Hulk. Misunderstood. Misunderstood. Uh, uh, He means well. He didn't mean to become the Hulk. Right. The the Hulk is a separate identity. Uh, Right. Um, she Hulk sprang. Okay, oh, uh, we did it. Walk it back. Walk it back. Let's go back, folks. Hang in there. Four minutes back. Let's do it. The Wayback Machine is now in full reverse. All right. Okay. So what happened is the TV series. The Hulk himself was not a hit character. When Stanley and Cur- Jack Kirby created the Hulk, he only lasted six issues. Okay. And Stan believed the character would catch on. So he kept bringing him back as a guest. Okay. And in, I believe in issues 24 and 25 of the Fantastic Four, mm-hmm. the Hulk took on the Avengers, the FF, everybody. He took right. on everybody. And and after that... And uh, one? Well, you know, Close. nobody truly wins at Marvel. It's always a standstill. <laughs> Keep you reading. You know, and... Uh, right. I'll tell you, the Thor Thor just fought uh, the Hulk, but the uh, Hulk got one of those uh, magical hammers that came down from the serpent, and, uh, <laughs> and uh, so so he's even more powerful. But the Thor uh, he fought both the Thing with a magical hammer and the Hulk with a magical hammer. I don't know that Thor has that kind of capability, but they are Odin's sons. I mean, it is sort of they're they're Odin created. Um, Odin's brother, it turns out, created these seven hammers. I don't know if you're familiar. Oh, this is from the Fear Itself, right? This is the Fear Itself series How right now. How was that? Because I've heard mixed. Uh, you, know? you know what? It is mixed. I'm only following like five different strains because the crossover is ridiculous. And what am I, Rockefeller? Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. It's like yeah. there's only so many things I can follow. But uh, on, on the whole, I kind of like it because the theme on of Fear Itself is that uh, is that the serpent is coming back, the serpent being the brother of Odin, who's been banished. And uh, so, again. so the, <laughs> again, so the, the serpent is going to feed off of the fear of the world and I liked like the first issue of fear itself just talked about the nature of fear in current society mm-hmm. that's what I love about comic books is that they can talk about real things yeah that people can talk the same way that uh, civil war hit on the political divisions of the time and, yeah and, and I'm really I, I don't not usually a Superman guy right but- but they did, they did this amazing, uh, um, Krypton shows up, Krypton comes back. Did you read that? The new no, no. Krypton? Is it a new one? Is it part of the reboot? Which it's isn't not, happening, actually. Well, they're, it's they're a... re, re, rebooting from whatever that was. Right. But they did this, the Sterling Gates and these other writers did this amazing book where a bunch of Kryptonians come back and they, they start, okay. 
They start almost like starting a new place in the Middle East. Everybody tries to stop them. Superman has the. Oh, do they sort of settle the Middle East? Yeah, this Krypton people. The the outer space equivalent of you know what I mean. (laughs) Okay. Everyone tries to wipe them out. It was a great book. I I couldn't believe. When did it come out? Last year. Okay. Okay. And And it was written by Sterling Gates. It was written by Sterling Gates and I think one or two other writers. And it was it was just a surprisingly great book. It's a metaphor for the Middle East. Oh. And everybody tries to stop them once they show up. Right. Right. Okay. They they have Green Lanterns and Hawkman and all. That. I, again, right. I'm not as I'm not as versed in DC as I am in Marvel. It was an amazingly good book. I was shocked how good it was. And it was and it just resonated for like for the Middle Eastern situation and yeah, all of that. Yeah, okay, the total middle, like you said, stuff you couldn't normally touch. They were able to yeah. dress and, and go into. That's a, that's my favorite part about comic books is they're just like I mean you could talk about Columbine and 9/11 and and, and, and do frequently and just, do frequently yeah. and just you know Matt Fraction is writing this new Iron Man about the alcoholism. I love Matt Fraction. Did you read? Uh, uh, oh, sorry. Oh, go ahead. He did the um, he did that great Norman Osborn chasing a, a Iron Man is rapidly getting dumber. It's, it's oh yeah, yeah. yeah. That's how I got into the new Iron Man, the Invincible Iron Man, and and because Iron great. yeah, Fraction's great. You know who else I like is this guy Gabriel Ba. Have you have you read Day Tripper or Umbrella? See, those are indie. I, I, yeah. I didn't really picked those up. Oh, yeah, the umbrella, uh, the umbrella factory, the umbrella industry. It was something. There was an umbrella involved, and his name is Gabriel Ba, and he's from Brazil. And he also wrote this day tripper thing, where where it was essentially the story of the same character every single issue, and he dies every single issue, <laughs> and it's about reincarnation. Spoiler, Spoiler alert. <laughs> yeah, but the thing is, is you're just like. Wait a minute. Yeah, I suppose after the first one, it's no longer a spoiler. But if you, but it's so beautifully written. This guy Gabriel Bra is one of the most. It's, he's just his prose is. You know, it's so hard. You know, you want it to be punchy and choppy when when you go into a. That's how it usually is in a in a in a comic book. So, but the. Um, but with Gabriel Bot, it's always beautifully written. It's some sort of, it's almost prose. It's almost, you know, and, and yet it's tiny and it's in a, it's in a freaking word bubble. Wow. So it's still, it's still super short, but it's great. Anyway, but, uh, yeah, so the, but the whole, the whole thing about the Hulk is I don't, everyone's all mad at the Hulk because the Hulk, because the Hulk is a separate dude, right? Yes. He, he, well, he's, they, they play with that a little bit, but, He's he's basically this primitive he's this primitive man and and uh, he comes out of Banner psyche right and with the TV series again and when when the Hulk finally caught on right when, when Stan Lee and Kirby started doing him in uh, um, they, they, he was basically I think tells to astonish with Namor and yeah. Giant Man okay character caught on again and boom took off he's okay now, after Spider Man he's Marvel's most identifiable character worldwide. Oh really? Oh yeah, over on the X Men, over on okay. anybody else. Okay. So when when Hollywood, when Universal took notice, Universal bought a bunch of the Marvel characters in kind of the late seventies boomtown started right. by Star Wars. Oh know? right, yeah, yeah. Before that, even yeah, um, they they had the rights right before that. Human okay. Torch. You know, they had the rights to the Human Torch, Ms. Marvel, Captain America, and the Hulk. Kenneth Johnson, who created the Bionic Woman, he was okay. producer of a six million dollar man. And he created V, kind of a genius. Yeah, yeah. He doesn't want to do any of these characters, and he's worried he's, he's being pigeonholed as a sci-fi guy. He gets the Hulk. From Frank Price. Uh, from Frank Price, then head of Universal. Okay. Until Frank headed Universal until he had the genius idea to let George Lucas make Howard the Duck. Oh, uh, right. Which... Uh- you know, according to Robert Evans, is better than you than you thought. Yeah, well, and Robert Evans, I love you. I love the, <laughs> in the picture. As a kid, sitting in the opening row of the Cinerama Dome next to my sister and her, right? 
cool, cute friend Margaret. Right. I sat there. <laughs> John. Dad's like, oh yeah, I remember her. Yeah, she was really exactly. Good <laughs> Margaret. She was a detective in all this. She, <laughs> but when sitting there in that abortion, anyone who read the Steve Gerber books. Right. Which were great. Fantastic. The Howard the Buck, I just read him last year. With Gene Cullen and, and oh my yeah, God. Yeah, Beautiful, beautiful. But didn't that guy just die? Did he write Hard Times? Gene Cullen, yeah. yeah well, both of them died within a year of each other. Yeah, okay. He, Steve he wasn't that hard, old. Yeah. He wrote Hard Times about the kid. Uh, and, to the Columbine kid. That yes, was one of yes. the gateway drugs into, into, into indie comic books. Columbine kid is the hero, too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Hard Time. Yeah, it's amazing because he didn't know he was going to be a Columbine kid because he thought they were kidding. Right, and they were yeah. just going to scare everybody and then they shoot everybody and, and they're like, oh, <laughs> and then and then they canceled the, the I mean the first the first two or three runs of that I mean first eighteen issues I think were amazing and then for some reason they canceled it and so he jumped and he just ended it like when forty nine years later and you're like well this is a bummer and uh, but the first eighteen issues are awesome but and the guy Gerber who who created Howard the Duck he right. did a series of amazing books that were way ahead of their time Omega the Unknown he took over writing on uh, Omega the Unknown is fantastic especially the original run. Okay. He, uh, um, I mean, I can't even describe the plot, so you, you, anybody listening, you'll have to get it. <laughs> It'll Wikipedia. be in the notes. <laughs> but he did, like, Man-Thing, he took over Man-Thing and had, like, a ten-year run in Man-Thing. And- After Alan Moore? No, Before. no, that Swamp Thing. Oh, that Swamp Thing. Yeah. Uh, for the love of God, this is the third time, third episode where I think I'm getting Man-Thing and Swamp Thing mixed up. Yeah, <laughs> there's a funny story there, too. Man, yeah, Man-Thing is best, they, they were roommates. by roommates. Jerry Conway and Len Wein were, were roommates. Okay. And I interviewed Lynn Wine, uh, who created Wolverine as well, and okay. a lot of the new X-Men. And I interviewed Jerry Conway. And when I interviewed Lynn, uh, Lynn said, yeah, Jerry and I created them at the same time. Roommates never even talked. Right. And then I interviewed Jerry Conway. He goes, I go, yeah, Lynn says you guys can't tell who was created. And before I even finish the line... Man thing was created first. Check it. He's out three months earlier. And <laughs> uh, that's funny. Uh, yeah, you know, Pat Oswalt and Brian Posehn both wrote, uh, wrote uh, goons. They, yeah. they wrote two things for the goon and separately turned in two different scripts. I was told, and they uh, Brian told me this is that they both had. Um, Clowns locked in a in a in a, in a like a pirate chest for some reason. They're like, "Are you did you are you guys pulling our leg? What, what are you guys doing to us?" And they're like, "What are you talking about?" It's like you both have creepy people locked in a. And they're like, "Oh, I'll change that." And, uh, and one of them had to change it. I love Brian because yeah. if you look at Brian, I've interviewed Brian before. God bless him. Mm-hmm. Brian actually looks like the priest who marries uh, Reed and Sue in the and classic. He is. No, he played him. No, no, no. If you look, look at, at the actual, actual comic panel. Oh, and, and that's why he was cast in the movie. He looks like the priest who married Reed and Sue in the Fantastic Four comic book. You know? Oh, that makes oh, then that makes even more sense. I thought it just happened because because I accidentally saw the Fantastic Four movies. Hey, I, hey, hey, I, uh, did you like the John Fantastic? Four? and Ben are good. The, the Torch right. and Ben are the only two parts of any Fantastic Four that matter. Okay. And you know, Chickless kicks ass as a thing, and Evans oh yeah, is fantastic as the Torch. Okay. All right. Uh, Their interplay is beautiful. Yeah. And, and the interplay is beautiful? We're going to throw a couch at him. Come it, on. It's, it's vintage. Purely okay. okay. All right. All right. I take it all back. I take no, it all back. No. It's going to be fantastic. But Did the lack see- of Galactus is a problem. Yeah. The lack of Galactus well, is a problem. Well, that was a problem. And was it, what was Galactus? He was in one of the movies. Well, that- Ghostbusters the is a yeah, movie. Yeah. The, the, the Ghostbusters <laughs> is the Galactus trilogy if you want to see it done right. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. yeah they ripped oh, it off completely. Interesting. <laughs> okay. Uh, for reals? Oh, oh yeah. Look at the original Ghostbusters. It's the Galactus trilogy. 
because high evolutionary, all that. No, well, not the high evolutionary, but they have the Silver Surfer type character, and you know the the Key Master and all this. If you look, oh, at right, right, okay. The original Ghostbusters is beat for beat the original uh, uh, three issues of the Galactus trilogy. Oh, and that's weird. Dan Aykroyd was a comic book reader. So. Okay, so it might have happened. <laughs> and then I was just telling my brother Russ today that uh, if you watch an old uh, Kirk Douglas uh, movie called The Vikings, oh, oh, I love The Vikings. All right, so uh, it's um, amazingly well done as far as like uh, accuracy of Middle Ages uh, boats Norse. And, and Norse mythology and all that stuff. Very nice uh, costuming and, and stuff like that. But there's a there's a scene where Kirk Douglas, spoiler alert, in the Vikings, uh, they're, he's fighting. Is it? And I don't think it. I can't remember if it's his dad, but it's it's almost shot for shot. Empire Strikes Back. Luke Skywalker and Darth Vader, Darth Vader. fighting, and it's almost shot for shot. And Kirk Douglas gets his arm ripped off, like chopped off. Really? Yeah. And you're like. Wait, what the hell is happening? <laughs> like the choreography is similar, and, and it you looks just like, stumbled into a theft. <laughs> I just stumbled into George Lucas, watched that, and then shot Empire Strikes Back. The word is homage. If you look at the room where they do battle, where Luke and, and Darth Vader do battle in Empire, look at it's been running all week at like Lava on Cinemax. If you okay, look at Conquest of the Planet of the Apes, which is the original Rise of the Planet of the Apes. Right, right. The, the that was my favorite one. It was creepiest, but uh, it, it, well, the first one was creepy. But it's sort of you know you can't have you can always have that conversation of which of the series it couldn't exist without the first one anyway. I mean, Conquest was awesome. With Linda Harrison is not creepy. <laughs> <laughs> the governor's office looks just like the room where Luke and oh, really? battle in the Empire. Oh, Check fascinating! It. <laughs> Check it out, Conquest of the Planet of the Apes. Uh, <laughs> fair enough. So. Uh, I'm getting back to Hulk. Oh, yeah, thank you. Because I'm going to do it. Walk it back. So Kenneth Johnson. Oh, so Kenneth Johnson starts the Hulk television series. They make the Hulk kind of like an urban Bigfoot. Okay. Yeah. They don't really believe he exists. Photos of him. Uh Uh-huh. He takes away the Hulk's power of speech. Yeah. Did he have the power of speech in the... the Pilot in the in the in the in the original comics. In the comics, Hulk can talk in full sentences. And so Hulk can talk in full sentences. Bill Bix, uh, the uh, David Banner is, and but is is David Banner the Hulk when he becomes the Hulk, or is the Hulk just another part of his psyche? Uh, that by the becomes- way, that, that, that's actually been going. That's the battle in the comics since uh, 1962. The, uh, see, I, I get right to the right to the thing right here in the Dark Forest. Like Dick and all that. <laughs> <laughs> I think, therefore, I am next. So what happens is the show begins. Kenneth Johnson created um, when, he was, when he was the story editor on and producer and director on, on Six Million Dollar Man. He creates the Bionic Woman. Okay. So Marvel is terrified that he's going to do this on the Hulk. He's going to create a female Hulk, and they're going to have divided rights with Universal. Ah. So they and by the way, it turned out Marvel was exactly right. This is exactly what was going. To, okay. They, they were going to. They have a, a few episodes with the Hulk's sister, played by um, wonderful actress Mally Law. I'm blanking on her name. Okay. Susan Day or no, no, not Susan Day. The, I wanted to be Susan Day now. The, the okay. one with the big eyes. She's like four Star Trek. She's always <laughs> the hot alien in Star Trek. Uh, not the Borg lady. No, no. not the, that's Alice. That's Creed. too soon. Yeah, no, no. Um, this is classic Trek. I'm blowing this. I'm sorry to my fellow dorks. It's fine. It'll be... Uh, what am I looking up? I'm looking up who played essentially uh, yeah, the bionic... No, no, the Hulk sister. Yeah, who Banner's, played the Hulk sister. Uh, Bruce Banner's um, sister. Everybody's sitting in there uh, in, in uh, listening to the show right now going, I know who that is. Yeah, it's fine. Don't worry about it. They're screaming the name saying, you're being <laughs> jerk. <laughs> you and sure? I don't blame you. I would be doing that if I were you. They planned on making David Banner's sister, who right. shows up in the episode Homecoming, just to show you people I know what I'm talking about. So Marvel figures it out. Yeah. And they, they tell Stan, look, 
Only you can create a female Hulk. You know, so, nobody else. So will. chop to it. Yeah, and so okay. he, he invents a heretofore unknown younger uh, cousin. cousin of David Banner. <laughs> sure. Of Banner's, okay. Named Jennifer Walters. Yeah, Jennifer Walters, uh, who was a, a lo- I don't know who wrote a that. Lawyer. Yeah, yeah. Stanley. That's but, all from Stanley. Right, right. But there was just about three years ago. It might have been Matt Fraction who wrote the uh, the She Hulk uh, lawyer series that. Very slot. Dan, Dan oh, slot. It was Brilliant. Dan Slot. Brilliant. Done. It was so funny. It's Best where thing to do with the character. It's where I learned the term "going to the long boxes." Oh, because, <laughs> because she worked at the at the at the supervillain. Uh, uh, she she protected supervillains. Yes, defended them. Defended them in in court, and so yeah, that was Dan Slott. I, I'll read almost anything Dan Slott reads because of that because of that series. What an amazingly great series. You know, yeah. Again, She's one of those characters that has short runs here and there. Yeah, and now she's back, and she's got uh, a parallel universe Savage She-Hulk with oh, red hair. Th- that's a br- okay. I'm, I'm really going to earn your my my dork forest pay today. Um, that is the Hulk's daughter from yes. the future, right? Fathered by Thundra, I think either Fred Van Lente or or Dan. I think Fred Van Lente came up with her. Okay. And he wanted Thundra, the Amazon from the parallel universe of the future, right. where men and women are in unending war. Oh, that's right, that's right. He wanted Hulk and Thundra to create this red-headed She-Hulk in a more traditional way. Yes. And the powers that be at Marvel thought it would be a much better idea if she swabbed the cheek of an unconscious Hulk and combined their DNA in a more... <laughs> oh, right, I remember way. that. It was just like they created her like a test tube, and then because they don't have sex, they create... <laughs> yeah, they I cre- don't have sex with Thundra. Come on, you <laughs> see those boots? I'm good. I'm good. She's I don't need to. Anyway. Seven foot tall Vaughn. I'm, I'm just saying. Right, right, exactly. It's a, so the Hulk compendium, it goes from Lou Ferrigno, or does it? Does oh, it go from no, Stan it, Lee? No, to- you know what? I do it. It's uh, You wouldn't like me when I'm angry, a Hulk companion. Right. I start with the first 49 pages are on the character not catching on, the character being canceled after six issues. Right. Uh, Stan Lee and Kirby working to bring him back, and then they came up with the whole fugitive angle before the series. Oh, right, right, because it's it's the fugitive oh, essentially. It's the, the fugitive. Yeah. And, and, and now uh, Kenneth Johnson claims the show oh, was based on the fugitive. Well, they call it Les Miserables. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> God bless Kenneth. He says Les Miserables. I like the interjections from Don occasionally, like classic literature coming from the well, side on the side. Thing. I like it. Yeah, his 150 <laughs> IQ kind of punctures my door. Oh, all all of ours. Yeah, next. <laughs> he's a man of few words, but when he says them, they count. Exactly, they're very good. And so, so the first fifty pages are that, and then it's it, it's the catching on. And yeah, we go into the, we go into the TV series, right? And we spend most of it. In the, what happened in the TV series? That's when. Uh, um, Lee invents the She-Hulk to keep Marvel the universe right. from co-owning the character. And Ms. Marvel and Spider-Woman. Yeah, all the, all the spin-off characters wanted to prevent other companies from, from doing rip-off characters. And wasn't Marvel trying to wring their last time out of the reader? Right. It's just but they like... knew if they didn't create a female Spider-Man, for example, or a female Hulk, mm-hmm, someone mm-hmm. else would and would own the name and the copyright. And that would Right, that. right. There's Ariana. Or, or Ariana? Or... Oh, Aranya. Aranya. Yeah. Aranya. Aranya. the new Spider-Woman. Because well, she's cut... like, nobody can pronounce that. We're calling you Spider-Woman. Because we cut the heart out of the old Right, right. It's crazy. Whoa, cut tough times. Female superheroes never fared very well. I know. There's trouble. There's trouble with the ladies. Batgirl and, in a wheelchair. Uh, Batgirl in a wheelchair. And, and that now Oracle. And then there's a new Batgirl. I, I love... I, I My favorite Batman writers are like uh, Denny O'Neill and, and uh, um, Chuck Dixon. 
Oh yeah. What, Chuck, what did they do? Chuck Dixon created Bane, who was in the Nolan movie, and and he's in Secret Six, which just Six ended. Which just ended. The whole they canceled it. Yeah. Well, they just it just ended. I'm sure it'll come back. It wasn't limited. Point. No, it was limited. So it just it just wrapped up. I love you, Gail Simone. Uh, yeah, <laughs> Gail Simone is fantastic. One of the amazing. I'll read writer. anything that Gail. And Marjorie Lou's awesome too. I like her. You know what? I, I again, I always had this Anne Nascenti bias against female. You know, oh. uh, certain female writers because Anne Nascenti took over Daredevil. And all okay. the Daredevils were touchy feeling. He oh, would not make fight. T- he would sit around staring at a daisy all comic. What's the name of the author? Uh, and Nascenti. Nascenti? How do you spell Nascenti? N O C E N T I. Okay, and was, did she write in the 90s? Uh, yeah, 80s and 90s. I 80s think. and 90s? She, she there took was, over it's interesting because Andy's been collecting uh, Daredevil since he was a kid, and it's the only one he ever kept with, and he said there was some trouble. There was some, some serious trouble in the 80s and late 80s and He's 90s. Right. Well, he has a Catholic nun mother, and then they have. Well, that was, that was all established in the 80s. That was the Miller stuff. And, okay. But, but yeah, when Nascenti took over, it all became touchy-feely Daredevil stories. He was taking care of orphans in Hell's Kitchen. Right. Will and Willie Ott. I, yeah, what I, I never think... understood is why he went nor- never went north of 54th Street. I was like, dude, <laughs> what, something happens on 60th? You're, you're not available? Is that what I'm hearing? Spider-Man covers the whole borough, but okay. Daredevil, he's provincial. Shame <laughs> he's, on him. He's very, he's like the 10-block area. It's very Manhattan. It's, uh, everything's, everything good. I, there's my grocery store. That's what I'm protecting. Now, did you like the, did you like the whole TV series, The Little Girl, Jer- I did. I did. I loved it. It's, it was super fun. And uh, it always, that song was haunting. That song oh, at the Lily end of it. Man. Very yeah, good. yeah, very, very haunting. Not the theme at the beginning. The theme, nope. The theme at the beginning uh, was, was very driving, was very exciting. And fun fact Joe Harnell mm-hmm. is the father of Pinky and the Brain Voice, Jess Harnell. Oh, really? Are you pondering what I'm pondering? I am a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) I wish I had an answer to that. But he would, uh, and and the the song Growing Anger, which they would always play when the the Hulk was getting mad, you know, right, right. Oh, yeah. He he re lettered Right of Spring. That's Strzinski's Right of Spring, you know. Okay. If you listen to the bump, 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 that's Right of Spring, slightly rejiggered and backwards by Joe Harnell. Wow. You know, and, and Lonely Man. All the shows in Universal at the time, all these big Universal shows, you know, Magnum P.I. and bum, 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 all these big... Hawaii Five-0 and... Yeah, yeah. 18. All these big Mike oh, Post, bum, 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 you know, uh, yeah. uh, fanfare. Johnson said it's about a lonely man. He's on his own. He's a man alone. Yep. And they, they he would, he goes, because Joe originally gave him just another Universal bombast, like Quincy or anything. Yeah. They did the sad song on the piano, and it so haunted people. Yeah, it still does. Because he's got to leave, man. He can't stay. Can't stay, man. Every episode, somebody falls in love with him. Yeah, and, well, uh, by right, the way, right. even as a kid, I thought that was incredibly lucky. That was very lucky. And uh, and it also is like, well, that guy gets the ladies. Who knew? <laughs> Who knew that guy would? Yeah, maybe you want to spend another week there. It's Kim Cattrall. But... Right. <laughs> the crazy thing about the Hulk is that he was so, it was so interesting to me that, um, that like, Thor made this crack about him because, you know, in, in Fear Itself, he's just like that because he he almost kills the thing. And then the fantastic. Oh, I don't know if I should tell you. It's a, it's a new episode. It's a good one. Fantastic Four Kids are involved. Anyway, and it's oh, Fear I Itself. Love the fantastic Four Kids. I like the Fantastic Four Kids. I kind of like them better than I like their parents. Hickman's uh, doing a great job on that book, too. Oh, it? man. Hick, I'll read anything Hickman reads, too. Yeah, Guess what? Be- I need a second job for this uh, comic book thing. <laughs> anyway, but. You need uh, some complex. Somebody call Jackie here. Ex- I don't know if you read any image stuff. Uh, I, I met. Uh, Unwritten and uh, Infinite Vacation and Invincible. Oh, oh, Invincible. Uh, yeah. 
Kirkman. Oh, oh yeah. my God. Anything Kirkman does after Walking Dead. You can do no wrong. I met Todd McFarlane. Um, at the tail end of the book, of my Hulk book, I, I kind of end the book with Stan Lee getting a star on the, the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Right. And there's this Canadian guy there, and he start, and I start talking to him, and he's very cool, very laid back, Donald and I are hanging with him. Yeah. And I suddenly realize it's Todd McFarlane. From what? And What's his daughter. The creator of Spawn. Oh, the, the right, 80s, right. The yeah, penultimate yeah. 80s, 90s Spider-Man artist. Oh, and fair enough, fair enough. Co-founder of the image, you, you express so much enthusiasm. Exactly, which I don't know anything about. <laughs> Owner of the Mark McGuire Bowl. Owner oh. of the Mark McGuire Bowl. For the, I'm a dork, though. I don't know anything about sports. That's your department. Is that a baseball thing? Yes. Oh, there we go. It, it was of some value until it got superseded. But oh, sure, sure. And well, then they brought him before Congress, and then all this. And he was also a great. He, he and Peter David kind of revamped the Hulk and the great Hulk writer as well. For he had the longest run in the Hulk. I think he actually beat Stanley's record. Oh, really? Yeah, and and he. I don't recall him creating anyone really memorable, but he did a lot of great stories on the Hulk. Because the thing about the Hulk is that you're like, well, everyone's so mad at him all the time. Because when 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 he loses his temper, he like kills people. People and destroys things like a lot of superheroes like don't. Like a drunk, you know, right. he's an apologetic drunk. I mean, basically, he's no, <laughs> well, that, that's the same, somebody's bad dad. Well, that's yeah. the same street as Iron Man, ultimately. Right, right, but but he, he needs so he needs to go to meetings. What am I? What am I hearing? What's happening? <laughs> well, what happened? And the Hulk, and and to bring it back to the TV series, yeah, because you were talking about Lonely Man. That was an inter- one of the more interesting things about the TV series is Bill Bixby is playing this guy whose wife is dead, who's everyone he loves is dead. He's on the road by he's, himself. He's alone. He's alone, but during the run of the show, that happened to him. That happened to the actor. Oh, Superman curse. Yeah, oh, my gosh. Than, you know, Superman curse would have been a blessing after what Bixby went through. <laughs> no, seriously. You know, uh, he got he was married right before the show to Brenda Bernay. Right. Brenda Bernay, a, a character actor, a TV actress, beautiful French Canadian, I think. She was, uh, she's the hooker with the heart of gold in the original Walking Tall. Okay. Not the terrible remake. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And what happened is they had a, she was, he was like 12, 15 years older than her. They had a, they had a baby and the baby became Bixby's whole life. Marriage went south during the show. And what's interesting is there, I talked to over a hundred people from the series for this. So there's a lot of he said, she said. You'll have a guest actress of the week who will side with Brenda Bonet. You'll have another guest actor or actress who will side with Bixby. Okay. So what happens is during the show, they break up and Brenda is suing for custody of the baby, you know, who at this point is like five or six. It's okay. ugly. The, uh, it's ugly. And, and, and people in the book take sides. You know, people will tell you well, this happened, that happened. Sure. So what happens is he has her on the show as a guest to show their son that even though we're breaking up, we're still friends. So what happens is she goes on a ski trip to Mammoth with a little boy. The little boy gets a minor medical complication, but Mammoth at the time is a ski hospital. They're, they're trained for, you know, Broken uh, legs. skiers' yeah. legs, skier knees. So a simple trach would have saved the tracheotomy would have saved this boy's life. Uh, what they said. Huh? They try to intubate him, and they can't. Okay. And the little boy dies on the table. Okay. Now, after that, Bixby is wrecked. Bixby, right. and he's a workaholic. Right. So this guy, three days after he's lost his son, shows up for work. And one of the directors remembers him doing his all his dialogue, hitting his marks. And he says, but tears are just coming out of his face. You know, right. his, he just... And right, then, right. 
one of the actresses says he turns to her during a scene, and instead of saying his lines, he goes into an unscripted, uh, uh, an unscripted monologue. monologue of a pain. Right. And and so is that an existing episode? Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, it, it, it wasn't, have that it wasn't in, in the take. I mean, but if you watch the episode "Interview with the Hulk," uh, okay. that's the episode his son died on. Right. And you can he does look strained in the scenes you see him. It, it's amazing because during in two or three days an interview with the Hulk. It's the Monday that the kids died. The episode right. got delayed three days. And again, especially at the time, Universal was kind of a sausage factory. We need our A-team out now. We need our Hulk out now. We need that Magnum P.I. should be done by now. And so... According you know, to people we talked to. According to the people we talked to. Yes, right. this is all, you know. But what's happening is Bixby is kind of... I mean, the worst possible thing that could happen to him is... Yeah, they don't give him any, any morning time at all? There's, uh, you know what? Or I he's a workaholic and he goes into work to try to kill the pain with some work. There, basically, we heard a 50-50 from different people. Based on the he said, she said, that a little column A and a little column B. Okay, fair enough. You know? So does does his ex-wife die too? Wow, this is where it gets really ugly. Um, does the Hulk kill her? No, I'm so sorry. I'm the worst loofering. 30 years ago. I'm sorry, you're living in the moment. <laughs> so what happens is um, he's, he's totally heartbroken, and it's just war on the ex-wife. A, a, a guest actress tells us he grabs her arm and... She doesn't know him, and she's had a crush on him since my very Martian. And he's just spewing venom about his ex-wife. Right. Well, obviously, this had affected her, too. This is one of the... Right. A great yeah, yeah, his mom. Yeah, the, mom. Yeah, the, the, the mother of his child. Right. So you've got the girl who starred in... I'm blanking on her name right now. Um, She starred in The Stuff, Andrea Marcovici. Okay. And she... uh, uh And Marcovici, you know, I had a crush on him since Eddie's father, she says. <laughs> and she said when she's going to say something to him and break in between scenes, he just starts telling her all these terrible things that happened to him. And she's like, oh, my God, this guy is... Yeah, and literally she goes, I'm just this little guest actress. Why would you tell somebody, you know, yeah. she, she said there were no treatment centers, no they, they weren't there wasn't the kind of grief constantly available that is now. Right, right. So he's blasting his wife every chance he gets. Uh within a year of the little boy dying, um, either right before or right after the anniversary, Brenda Bonet kills herself in West LA. Wow! The, you know, and then was it overdose or no, no, she shoots herself in the mouth. Oh my god! Yeah, and and uh, surrounded by candles in the in the home, and when that happens, who does ambiance for uh, I know for, for, was, for suicide? She was, well, it, 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 I thought it was interesting that iconography, but she was uh, and making not light of it, but she was a soap opera actress, and she might have been going for something a little bit traumatic. Sure, you know, and I mean, it is L.A. It, well, you know, <laughs> you kind of want to bring it. it, it, it yeah, it, yeah. It, again, it, it's tragic, but it was weird. That, like you said, she went to such pageantry about it. Right, right. So, so after that, he's just a complete wreck, and and wow. a lot of people think that haunted him and pushed him into his. Is Bill Bixby still alive? Died in 1993. There we 59, go. Age 59. Yeah, yeah. And uh, um, a lot of people say it's because of this whole. He and his wife. Brenda and him never came to any basically he bottled up all the pain and a lot of people, a lot of his closest friends in the book, right, so right. he internalized it and destroyed him. Right, right, just ate him up. Well, yeah, yeah I mean, fair enough. Was it pancreatic or what do you have? Yeah, pancreatic. But what's interesting... Well, that's what Louise Hay would say because you can heal your life. She said affirmations uh, cured her cancer. But you know, Let me really, bring this I, to a screeching halt. Okay. Yeah, 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 <laughs> we just chilled all of the moon here in the dark forest. But Dork. the great thing is I go into everybody... Finding guests, uh, um, 
It was the, the half the fun was finding people. I got yeah, Lonnie yeah. Anderson talking about doing an episode of The Incredible Hulk. I mean, oh, yeah, that's right. She was on The Incredible Hulk once. She was. She was a murderer. Oh man, that's so awesome. A kung fu murderer. A kung fu murderer. She broke uh, Deanna Lund's neck. For you genre enthusiasts who love the woman uh, from Elves. Very nice. Very nice. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my God. What Sex in the City star played the most improbable Native American on the show? Why? You've done your homework, Ms. Cassie. <laughs> now, I would have to say that would be um, Kim Cattrall. Oh, that was Kim Cattrall oh, playing yeah. a Native... That was Kim Cattrall playing a Native American? Yes, and don't worry. She's an Indian at the time. Because <laughs> what's great about the Hulk is it's pre-political correctness. Right. So Indian, Indian, Indian. They say nothing but Indian for an hour. For an hour. No First Nation, no Native American. No First Nation, no Native Americans. Sure. There's an episode in the 747 and they're yelling for a stewardess but it, it's surreal because stewardess stewardess there's an evil stewardess and a good stewardess oh. so it's weird to hear this terminology that you haven't heard in years like like Indian or or, uh, or stewardess or yeah. stewardess yeah <laughs> and hey I need to have a cigarette on this flight which uh, smoking or not there is smoking on the plane actually they oh sure there is smoking. sure there is yeah. it's 1977 why wouldn't there be and they're, on the, and they're on the famous 747 when, when Universal would go over budget. Right. They would do a bottle show, what, a, which we need. We need. Uh, we don't need a ton of people. We need Jackie and Don on a plane set, so that way nobody can walk in on a plane. We have twelve people. Oh, I wonder if they still do that because there was an episode of Bones that was like that. They, they still, <laughs> you always need to do a bottle show because you overspend wildly. That's why uh, Bart or so Homer will go into a coma, and everyone will remember all the great times. Remind Homer, right, right. You know, bottle shows, inexpensive, lots of flashbacks. Sure. Or, Sure. In a and they had the soundstage from all the airport movies. And maybe right. Bones can sleep and pretend. Uh, Bones, David Boreanaz can pretend to be in a coma while everyone shows old clips. Right, because we don't have to pay him, but he's, he's, he's now. He's a, wow, that's and crazy. And so they've got this whole soundstage, nothing but 747 pieces on, on the, the lot. They're full of rats, we've been told. Right, right. Okay. Oh, wow. That's, Reportedly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so did you get to meet Lou Ferrigno? Not only did I meet a child of zero, yes, I'm in love with this man. Um, he not only got to do that, he wrote my foreword. Oh, did he? Oh, oh yeah. yeah. I mean, I've been and meeting Lou Ferrigno. I've, I've interviewed. I, I write for Wizard. I write for Fangoria. I work right. for Marvel. I've been wrote for Marvel. I've interviewed John Favreau. I've interviewed Natalie uh, Portman. I've interviewed Brad Pitt. All these guys. Francis Ford Coppola. But, uh, Francis Ford Coppola. But when I met Blue Fringo, I could barely speak. Huh? Wow, that was that was where it all came together. <laughs> yeah, 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 it's, yeah, yeah, it'd be like meeting Elvira. I'm, it's, I uh, met her too. You'll go to my Facebook page. <laughs> I love Elvira. She looks great, by the way. Have you met her yet? I have not met Elvira. She's adorable. Is she adorable? Yeah. She's, I saw her from a distance at a con. Did you touch the hem of her garment? I did not. I, <laughs> though, uh, but uh, my friend Lee stood in line to to meet her. He was like, uh, "Yeah, I don't know how to not stand in line to meet Elvira." It's I'm Elvira. so sorry. And yeah. especially she's in the Elvira gear. I mean, uh, yeah, she was. She yeah. was. In the Elvira gear. Cassandra Peterson's cool, but come on, Elvira is Elvira. She's yeah, yeah. I, you know, who I would like to meet if I was going to meet somebody is uh, is uh, Zena. Would be Warrior nice to princess. yeah, the Zena Warrior Princess. I, it would be nice to meet Lucy Lawless. And, Her uh, husband is great too, Rob Tapper. Yes, what he is his? once kept me from being thrown off a movie set. Oh really? <laughs> yes. How was that? He um um the fired publicist invited all uh, the press allegedly. Allegedly. <laughs> We want no names. Uh, I want to name the movie. Uh, a, a, a guy had been fired by the company on a bad note, so he brought the press down on a closed set. No okay. names of the movie. No. 
And so basically, his revenge was the press would get thrown off and be so angry after they'd write bad press about. They would write bad press about the movie. Oh, okay. So he tried to sabotage the movie. Yeah. Yeah. And and by the way, having driven all the way out to this incredibly faraway location I cannot name. Yes. Uh, Rhymes with fact on. Yeah, (laughs) rhymes with fact on. Um, (laughs) They're gonna throw me off the set. I'm thinking. I'm. I'm thinking I'm going to trash this movie so bad because he dropped down on you too. At the same he time. called and said these public, these reporters on the set who should be there. He sent everyone out to be thrown off the set. Wow! Rob Tapper came over, put a hand on my shoulder, and said, "This kid is my guest on the set. He can talk to anyone he wants to. Anyone who gives this kid grief is off the movie." A fellow Detroiter, and by so, the way. So a fellow Detroiter, Rob Tapper, and right. uh, anyone who makes Zena happy makes me happy. And he kept us from being. Oh, and Brittany Powell, my pal. Yes. Did three episodes of Xena, and she said she's cool. Oh, good. Good to hear it. Good to hear it. I, you know, I've probably seen. I mean, there's got to be what 200 episodes of Xena. There has, but Xena was always one of those shows you would watch if there was nothing else. On. Right, right. It was one of those things that I mean, if it were on today, it would be like NCIS, where it'd just be like a marathon of Xena, well, and then you'd yeah. be like, oh, look, it's Burn Notice, a thousand yeah, episodes yeah. of Burn Notice. I mean, and I mean, outside of Bruce Campbell, I couldn't sit through an episode of Burn Notice. Ooh, but you don't like Burn Notice? I mean, um, talking. I mean, you know what I mean. When he shows up. It changes. Right. Bruce Campbell's amazing. Oh, uh, yeah. no, no. We love Bruce Campbell. And, and uh, But the amazing thing is, like, my parents used to live in Tucson. Okay. My brother lives in Tucson. Okay. And uh, if, if your brother doesn't have cable, he's insane. Because, oh, yeah. He has cable. Three, yeah. Because three my stations. Parents, he also has Jesus. Uh, and uh, uh, Jesus is a direct uh, uh, helping him out, watching oh, things. Anyway. If he helps him with cable, that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> he used to sell cable. I think. Uh, but what my parents were living, and my parents were living in Tucson, and for a while, my father resisted getting cable and so there was nothing on except Fresh Prince reruns, Xena <laughs> and Hercules, and lots of ads of that Eagle Mexican law firm. Okay, you back very nice. Oh, yeah. All that was on. It's like, Dad, for the love of God, get cable. I'll buy it for you. And like, no, no, no. And I after like a Xena marathon, he finally gave up. And thank right, God. right, because there's only so much Xena, really. I mean, it's not that it's. I thought it was much better done than the Flash Gordon series. I don't know if you ever saw any of that early. F- the Canadian one. Yeah, the, the one can- that just happened. That the same people the who did Xena and Hercules. The Hunter Girl was crazy hot. It was a bad show, but I, I found myself watching it for. Karen I'll tell you Cachet something. Or whatever her name was. The that's uh, fascinating that you know her name. Uh, here's my favorite <laughs> part of the of the. He was terrible. Yeah. Oh no. The, he, the he, guy, he was Whitney, I think, from Smallville, right? I have no idea, but I'll tell you something. The the best part of it was all set with Ming the Merciless. Like if it would all have been set in that Ming world, come on. It was he did not and have he was in time. Ming the Merciless he was, was awesome. He was he was super evil. I kind of liked him. You but crushed I, on him. Every girl I know likes Canadian shows were crushing on the bad guys. On the bad friend, guys. Well, I had a friend watching Beastmaster. Oh, the villain is so good. <laughs> I don't know if you ever saw a trailer and that tra- <laughs> that trailer show from Canada. Anyway, um, but. Uh, yeah, I but I thought that they did the 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 stuff in the Ming world a lot better. It was a lot more interesting. The Huntress and all that stuff. I love when, the Huntress. Yeah. yeah, when he was over in where Southern California, wherever the hell he was, it was it was very Ted Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure with him and his buddies and his crazy Mustang, and it was just like, what, oh, what, yeah, what's oh, happening? Flash Gordon, yeah, yeah, no, yeah no. Flash Gordon, yeah. 
And you did it with wormholes? You did it with a rocket ship? Yeah, yeah, do it with a rocket ship, my friend. It's all about the rocket ship. It's all about being in space, weirdos. They should have put... Happy the salesman, Pat loved. Yeah, oh yeah. well, that's in the old serials. But I would have loved if they brought in, like, Sam Jones and Melody Anderson. I love that... Smallville has reverence. You know what? If you made your... If you made... If somebody made you watch Big Trouble, you've got to watch the original Flash Gordon from the 80s. Oh, I saw that one. It's one of the greatest... I love it so much. brother was just telling me that they're thinking of remaking it and uh, uh, there's no they, they he was like not broken not broken no ten, reason to remake that one 10 years ago they were going to do it and make him a junk bonds trader uh, <laughs> wow <laughs> that is so hurtful it's just like you're just like why don't you just throw things at me it's hey, a, there's a piece of art let's urinate on it exactly. you know? <laughs> right even if it's like a craptastic piece of art it's like it's it's like the original class of titans with the uh with the claymation and stuff well it's and, not claymation but, oh, but no, it, it was it with Ray Harryhausen. Was it uh, with the one in the eighties? Was They're that models, uh, no, they were uh, my brother? Was it? Oh, was it action figures? Or was it? It well, was the, stop were, motion. The, yeah, yeah, that's Ray what Harryhausen. I mean. Okay. But you know, it, oh, by the way, also came out the same summer as your beloved Dragon Slayer, yes. Superman Two, Raiders Lost Ark, Stripes, Terror Train, uh, Humanoids in the Deep. Humanoids in the no, that's nineteen eighty. Oh right? no, no Humanoids in the Deep is nineteen eighty. Uh, this okay. is eighty one. We're talking. Uh, What's uh, of the deep? Humanoids of the humanoids, humanoids from the deep of the deep. This no, is I have the not seen this movie. If you're a 14 year old boy, if you're a girl, don't rent it; it'll offend you. Why? It's directed by Barbara Peters. It's one of the greatest B horror films of all time. Do not get suckered, you guys. If you Netflix this, girls can people. like. Uh, politically incorrect stuff. This what are you talking pretty, about? They traditionally will not. They, they are they using like the N word? No, no, no. no. Oh, okay. Officially uh, uh, nudity. <laughs> yeah. Heavy, heavy nudity. You get to see Steve Johnson get his face ripped off. I did a profile on this for Fangoria. If you were a kid and you came across this on on TV, this was the greatest movie you'd ever seen. Okay. If you're a girl, not so much. It's, okay, just it's sort of like the. Uh, in, in, in your informal poll, girl children did not enjoy this as much as boy children. We couldn't watch okay. it. My sister was in the room kind of thing. Okay, so you're just talking about your fucking sister. Okay. Well, you know. I mean, you've got a lot, of goth, a lot of goth kids who are just like, I want to watch that now. And you're like, you know what it is? It's it's like having the banned book list. It's like, yeah, I'm yeah, watching yeah. that now, and I'm going to enjoy it in spite of you. And you're like, then my work is done. But I yeah, okay. sure if, if you're going to run humanoids... Make sure it's got Vic Morrow and Doug McClure. Because if you get the remake, you're going to be really pissed. Vic Morrow. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, it's about half men, half fish. It's a Roger Corman movie. These salmon, Why wouldn't it be? Yeah, of okay. course. <laughs> they come to the surface looking for... Well, Action? They, they, they want to mate, yeah. Okay. It's, it's spawning. Yeah, oh, spawning. spawning. All right, they, all right. So they come to the surface. All right. They have the salmon of humanoids. Okay. No end of beach bunnies around for them to humanoid with. Actually. You know? Excellent, excellent. And it's just, it's awesome. I mean, there's these Rob Bateen monsters before, before Rob Bateen was Rob Bateen, before the thing, two years before the thing. They the got monsters, him the thing. Yeah. Okay. Uh-huh. The monster is incredible. They got these great tails, oversized brains. They look okay in the remake, but the remake is terrible. If you get the remake, you're going to curse me and it's your own fault. If it's not, <laughs> yeah, if it's not 1980, directed by Barbara Peters and Turkel, uh, and Turkel stars, and right. also, I did a great retrospective on this for Fangoria. If you do say so ago. yourself. If I do say so, I found everybody. Good work was done. Yes. Yeah, I, I kept finding, I, I found everybody in the article. Everyone who was alive and willing. And the, the, the female director, Barbara, God bless her, talked to me about it. She wouldn't talk to Shot Factory for the DVD. Okay. And I remember on Super Bowl Sunday, 
I found the main girl who made it with a humanoid. <laughs> and and like, you're like, it was the best Super Bowl no. Sunday ever. Give her the money quote. Oh, yeah. And she was, first of all, it was, how did you find me? Right. Creep Factor 12. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the, I have a family now. I have a family now. And, and then she hung up on me and I put that in the article. Right. We're done now. We're done talking because you're creeping me out is somehow. I felt you're like, like come on, man. I just wanted to ask you about the movie you did. She was acting like I, I she was acting like I, um. You're like, I, you I, wanted to take her on a drive up the coast and find a lie pen. Well, she was in the weatherman or something. I called her, I called her and said, hey, I need to, I'd love to get some questions. She's an alderman now? No, like, like. No, but she when asking her about humanoids in the deep, it was like it was literally like asking her if she got a bowel movement this morning. I mean, she's suddenly just totally against. All right. How, well, how dare you bring up that movie? I have a family now, and she she yelled at me, and, and that of course made my day because I knew I found the right. Actress. Yeah, yeah. You're like, ah, oh, nailed it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and she was making family movies now, but none, none, none too excited to be asked to describe mating with a human from the deep. <laughs> uh, Patrick, it's been an hour. It's wow. been a fantastic hour. It has been a fantastic hour. Uh, obviously, uh, there is obviously more more to be mined here. Obviously, uh, would love to have you on ba- uh, back again. I would be honored. All right, it's a uh, fantastic stuff, people. Uh, you got to see the the Hulk uh, book that we're talking about here, and there will be a link to it, of course. And um, Amazon, <laughs> yes, it's on Amazon. It will be the Amazon. Uh, the Amazon link will be just fine, and it is called "You Wouldn't Like Me When I'm Angry: A Hulk Compendium." Wait, a Hulk Companion? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, it makes me want to ask you: Have you ever seen Stuart Lee? Uh, a British comedian who does a, a joke about how he interviewed Ang Lee, and he said to Ang Lee, "You wouldn't like me when I'm Ang Lee." Uh, Kenneth Johnson told me somebody, probably Stewart, it's, walked up to him at the premiere and said, after the movie, everyone's jaws. Tall and I went to the premiere. premiere. Okay, walking and, behind the guy from Velvet Revolver, and all the executives are vomiting into trash cans because they know what a bomb this is going to be because <laughs> it's so dark and so long, <laughs> and. Stuart, uh, Kenneth Johnson said someone walked up to him and said, you wouldn't like me when I'm Ang Lee. And he said, Don't make me Ang Lee. And what did Ang Lee say? And, uh, <laughs> he doesn't have Ang Lee's reaction, but, but Kenneth did say, somebody walked up to him and said, um, you know, we've been working on over 15 drafts over 12 years, and the only line that ever got a rise out of anyone during the movie was, uh, you wouldn't like me when I'm angry, which is from the 1977. <laughs> and uh, that movie, until Harry Potter just eclipsed it, Ang Lee's Hulk was the biggest summer drop. A second of, week. A second week drop of any summer blockbuster in Hollywood history. <laughs> All right. It dropped 69% in its second week. The only movie that topped it was the last Harry Potter. And in terms, and Harry Potter dropped it because it made like $200 million and then made a normal amount of money. Oh, oh right, right. And then it made a normal amount of money the second week. But wow. yes, Hulk, the, the ground floor went out. I think it made like $9 million in a second week. <laughs> How are you going to live off of that? <laughs> anyway, uh, you guys, thank you so much. Thank you, thank you. Have a good honor. Yay. My hat, my hat, my hat. They're dancing around my hat. <laughs> my hat, my hat, my hat. Well, what do you think of that? If it looks like a Mexican hat dance and it sounds like a Mexican hat dance, it's most likely a Mexican hat dance. So take off your hat and let's dance. Yay. Oh, my God. Thank we you. Why don't we just call that as the end of the show?